On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Everybody say living water. Living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Father, I pray you would touch your vessel tonight. We've all been praying that you would just pour your spirit out into our lives. And Father, I pray you would just start with me tonight. Anoint these words. Lord, show people tonight how to live this abundant life that you're promising to them. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Water is essential to life. Water makes up 68% of our body weight. A loss of just 4% of body water leads to dehydration. A loss of 15% of body of water weight can, can be lethal. A person can survive a, a full month without food, but a person cannot survive three days without water because water is essential to life, to human life, to plant life, to animal life. Just as physical water is essential to keep the body functioning the way it was created to function, spiritual water is essential for the soul to function the way it was created to function. If you starve the body of physical water, the body's going to shut down and eventually die. If you starve the soul of spiritual water, the soul is going to shut down and eventually deteriorate. Jesus said in verse 37, or verse 37 says, on the last day of the great feast. That's referring to the, the great feast of the tabernacle that God instructed the people to do to remind them of their journey through the wilderness where they were constantly running into water problems. They came to the Red Sea. There is too much water. So God had to part the Red Sea so they could pass through. Then they ran out of water, so God had to bring water out of a boulder to quench their thirst. Then they ran into bitter water, so God had to touch the water and, and change it into pure water so they could drink. So God became their, their Culligan man, their H2O supplier, as they went through this dry spell called the wilderness on the way to the promised land. You and I right now are on a journey in life, a journey from salvation to glory, a journey from time into eternity, and sometimes in life, it gets hot. Sometimes it gets very dry, and we need to be able to get a drink of water. So it's in this context of the Feast of the Tabernacle where Jesus introduces us now to the next symbol, the next name of the Holy Ghost. He calls him the living water. The living water. Jesus begins his discourse by saying this in verse 37. Is anyone thirsty? Now look, we're all Phoenicians. We all know what it's like to be thirsty because we live in a desert. But Jesus is not speaking about physical thirst here. He's speaking about a different kind of a thirst. I'll call it a soul thirst. Is anybody here tonight thirsty in your soul? How do you know if your soul is thirsty? Well, if you're living in discontent, it means that you have a thirsty soul. 
If you're living a life of confusion, it means that you are living with a thirsty soul. If you're living a life of frustration, not a frustrated moment, but a a frustrated lifestyle, it means you're living with a thirsty soul. A thirsty soul is manifested by things like dissatisfaction in life, discontentment, unforgiveness, or sin domination. All those things are symptom of a soul that's begging for water, a soul that is thirsty. Now, when our physical bodies get thirsty, the temptation is to go drink a Sprite or drink a Coke or down a Red Bull, whatever, you know. But that's water that's been messed with. That's water that's been tampered with. Uh, sugar has been added. Chemicals have been added that, that, that take away the benefits of pure water. And what a lot of us do to try to quench the thirst of a soul that, that is missing something is we try to quench that thirst with things of this world. Things that medicate the soul for a short period of time. And those things may give you a temporary boost only to discover later on that it did not quench the thirst and the longing of our soul. Jesus says, look, if anyone here is thirsty, if anyone here tonight is living a life of discontent, that means that something has gone wrong. Something has happened in the soul, and there's nothing this world can offer you to bring contentment to my, that soul. It's only through the living water that can pour life and, and meaning and purpose into your soul. Some people even try to use church to quench their thirsty soul. If I go to church, and if I'm faithful, and if I know the songs and jump through all the hoops, my soul will be quenched. Only to discover that after you get your Sunday sip of Red Bull, before you get home that day, your soul is thirsty. Because you have not yet consumed the kind of water that Jesus says you need to consume. He's offering you tonight a lasting, authentic, authentic question, uh, drink that will quench your thirst. This message is for those tonight who are thirsty in their soul. Those who are living in this dry desert of dissatisfaction, disillusionment, discontentment in life. And there's this craving, there's this longing in the soul to have that thirst quenched. Enter Jesus' invitation. He says, if anyone here is thirsty, let him come to me. I know what some of you are thinking right now. You're thinking, I've already come to Jesus. I'm already a Christian. I've already accepted the grace of God and told Jesus that you're my substitute. I'm putting my faith and confidence in you. But you have to read the whole statement. He says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. you got to come to him and drink. Here I have some water before me. I am so thirsty right now. But just being thirsty and not drinking the water does not quench my thirst. I have the water, but until I take it in, it will not quench the thirst. So you can have water. You can be a Christian and still be thirsty. You can possess the water and still have your body cry out for water because possessing it and not drinking it will not quench the thirst in your life. Having Jesus but not drinking Jesus will will still cause you to have a thirsty soul. 
You may be on your way to heaven because you've accepted Jesus Christ, and that's wonderful. And if you don't know Jesus tonight, I hope you will come to him tonight because he will quench your thirsty soul. But it's not sufficient enough just to come to Jesus to have your thirsty soul quenched on this earth. Jesus says, if you're thirsty, let him come to me and drink. That is, appropriate me into your life. Take me into your life. Allow me to operate from inside of you so I can change you on the outside. When you drink water, that water goes into every single cell of your body, bringing life and, 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 re, and, re, and renew power to your body. And that's what Jesus wants to do. Let me come at this from a different way. Fridays in my neighborhood are trash, is, is trash pickup day. Most of you live in a neighborhood where there's one day a week that's trash pickup day. When was the last time the trash collector came to your door, knocked on your door and said, I'm here to pick up your trash? That's never happened in my neighborhood. I must take my trash to where they are in order for them to pick it up. Otherwise, I'm going to be waiting for something to happen that will never happen. And I'll always have my trash. Jesus says, bring it to me. Come on, somebody. He says, come to me. Some of you are waiting on him. He's waiting on you. If anyone will come to me and and drink, that is, take me into your life, consume me, appropriate me into the, the innermost part of your being so I can address the soul inside of you, so I can change the exterior around you. Okay, anybody here have a trash masher in your kitchen? Anybody? You know what a trash masher is? You put trash in, you push a button, and it pushes, pushes the trash down, smashes it. Why does it do that? Well, so you can put more trash in, right? So, so you push the button, and it, again, and it smashes down the trash, so it makes room, catch this, for more trash. And that's the way a lot of us deal with our souls. We do soul mashing. Well, we know there's some trash and some garbage that's present in the soul, and we don't like what it's doing to us, but instead of taking it to the right person and bringing it to Jesus, what we do is we put more trash in and smash it more down so we can make room for more trash in our lives. If we keep doing that, our souls will never be satisfied. Jesus says, if anyone is thirsty, let them come to me. Notice he doesn't say, come to information about me. He says, come to me. Look, you, you can know the Bible. You can know theology. You can know all the latest, greatest worship songs and still be thirsty because knowledge without relationship, because you can have knowledge without a relationship. You can have data about someone without a personal experience. Anybody here been on a, a blind date? Anybody? Anybody care to admit that? Some of you, okay. Why did you go on that blind date? Well, it's because somebody gave you glowing data about somebody they wanted you to meet. They told you she's so pretty, he's so handsome, she's got a beautiful home, he's got a nice car, he's got a wonderful job. They gave you this impressive data to lure you into a face-to-face -face meeting with that person. Because if all you have is data and you don't have a date, the data may be exciting to hear about, 
but it does not affect your romantic life until you have a face-to-face -face meeting with that person. God does not want to be just data for your head. He wants to be a life experience for your heart. And unless you take what you know about God and consume it and drink it, then you'll just leave here with more information about God, but also with a thirsty soul. Jesus continues. He says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Here it is, verse 38. He who believes me in me, as the scripture says, from his innermost beings will flow rivers of living water. Notice this is moving water. It's a river. It's flowing water. It's alive. This is not stagnant dead water. It's flowing. It's live water. What God wants to do, i got a pump on the stage here. What God wants to do is he wants to put a pump in your innermost being that will produce living water. He wants to put a pump like this in your innermost being that produces living water. So let's talk for a moment about your innermost being. Are you still with me here tonight? Listen, I want to make a statement. You are not your body. I got a, I got a, a guy up here. You, you are not your body. That's why it ticks me off to see all this identity stuff going on in our culture. You know, well, he's white, he's black, you know, uh, they're, they're Asian, whatever. And everyone's identifying by their exterior. But the Bible says, you know, God says man looks at the outside, but God looks at the heart. The most incidental thing about you and I is our exterior. What is significant is the heart. You are not your body. Your body is merely a casing to house your soul. That's all it is. When you die, your soul leaves your body and your, and your soul goes into eternity. All the body does is give expression or function to what your soul wants. Are you following me? Your soul is like your personal ID. It's your signature of existence. You know that you're here tonight because you have a soul. A dead person doesn't know anything about where they are because they don't have a soul. It's gone. So let's get this straight tonight. You are not your body. You are your soul. Now, your body is designed to function in the physical world through the five senses. Taste, smell, hearing, touch, sight. Your soul, the real you, your personality, your personhood is sending signals to your body, telling your body how to behave, how to act. The real you is telling your body what to do. But here's the problem. Your soul, my soul, and every soul has been scarred deeply from the time that we were born. That, that's why your mama didn't have to teach you how to lie when you were a baby. Without any private lessons, you learned how to lie all by yourself. Because the Bible says we have a sin nature. It's in us at birth. My little girl, Aubrey, when she was just two years old, uh, came home one day, and she had gotten into mom's cookie drawer. I say mom's, our cookie drawer. And uh, it was dinner time, and she had chocolate chips all over her face. And I, I thought it was so cute. I said, Aubrey, did you get into mama's cookie drawer? She said, no, daddy. You little sinner, it's all over your face right now. Where did she get that instinct to lie, to sin? From her mother, that's where she got No, from her, from her father. 
Listen, there's a spiritual transfer of decay that affects everybody's soul at birth. What happens is as we grow up and we age, that decay deepens. It intensifies. It creates more damage in the soul. Sometimes because other people have hurt us. Sometimes because of decisions that we've made. Sometimes because of sins that we've committed. But everyone's soul is damaged at birth. And that damaged soul expresses itself uh, to varying degrees depending on who you're talking to. And some people's damage and decay is so deep and, and so hard. And the scars run so deep that they want to do hideous things that hurt themselves or hurt other people. You know why? Because their soul is damaged. They have a damaged soul. This is very important. Don't miss this. Trying to fix the body when the soul is damaged will only provide a temporary delay from physical expression. Okay? You cannot fix your body unless you fix the soul. You cannot finesse your body into doing the right thing because your soul will always find a brand new way to manifest its pain through some other way in the body. Some of us have spent enormous amounts of time and energy and money trying to fix the body when it's a soul problem. It's a damaged soul. But if the soul is damaged, it will always find a brand new way to express the pain in the soul. So the soul says, you shut me down over here. You shut these illicit relationships down. Okay, I'll go find it through pornography. Or you shut it down through drugs. It'll manifest over here through, through alcohol or some other chemical dependency. But Jesus said this, don't miss this. If you will come to me and drink, I'm gonna put a pump inside of you in the innermost part of your being to pump living water, clean water. That will begin to filter out the damage and the decay in your soul. Okay, how does God do this? Well, he gives uh, every Christian a water pump. You have it. If you are born again, if you are born of God's spirit, you have the water pump already. It's inside of you. And what he wants to do is he wants to crank that water pump to pump living water inside your soul. Now, where is this pump? Let me explain this. You have a body that addresses the physical world. You have a soul that addresses you. You, you talk to your soul. It's scarred by sin and circumstances, but that's your soul. You also have a spirit. Now, while your body allows you to communicate to the physical world, your soul allows you to communicate with you, but your spirit, that was created by God to allow you to communicate with God. You have a spirit inside your soul, and God wants to communicate with that spirit through his spirit. There's a problem. The Bible tells us that when we were born, our spirit was dead. Dead because of sin. Dead to God. We, we, had, we had a sin problem. Um, but when we accept Jesus Christ, what happens is God invades our spirit. And he turns our spirit on. He, are you with me? He makes us alive to God. We say it wrong. We say, well, my soul got saved. That's theologically incorrect. Your, your soul didn't get saved. Your spirit got saved. Your spirit got turned on to God. So now you can communicate with God. Your soul is, is being saved as God communicates and pumps water through your spirit into your soul. It's being, you know, saved over time. 
not your salvation, but your life is being saved. So rewind for just a moment. Inside your body is your soul. The soul is the real you that tells your body what to do. So listen, if you have a messed up soul, if you have a jacked up soul, then, then your body is going to be doing some messed up stuff. Because it's, it's communicating with the soul. Enter the spirit. When you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal savior, God put a pump inside your human spirit called the Holy Spirit. That's why verse 39, he says that Jesus spoke of this because he was speaking about the spirit. So the Holy Spirit invades our human spirit and begins to flow life through his spirit into our spirit. He pumps it, which is inside the soul, which changes the soul, and then it manifests itself in our physical body. Okay? That's what God wants to do. He, he wants to, to turn on that pump. But, but what we do sometimes is we turn the pump off. We turn the tap off. <laughs> Most of you, all of you probably have running water in your house or apartment. And you have sufficient water. That is unless you turn the tap off. And the, and the flow stops. Some of us need spiritual draino because our soul is all stopped up. Some of us have been so soulishly constipated for so long because we keep putting things into our soul that are contradicting what Christ wants to do in us, and those things are clogging up the soul. They're turning off the tap, in a sense, so the living water cannot flow through the Spirit into our soul and change the exterior, okay? But Jesus says, if you come to me and drink, I'm going to flow I'm going to gush living water into your innermost being, which is located in your soul. Jesus said it like this in John 10, 10. I have come to give you life. That's talking about salvation. But then he says this, and life more abundantly. What is that? That's extra life. That's not a slow, dripping kind of life. That's a life that gushes over with life. He has a pump inside of us called the Holy Spirit. And he wants to pump life into us. The question is, uh, Pastor Luke, how do I get the pump working? I, I'm saved. And I, I love the Lord, but I don't feel the water being pumped through my life. I think my pump is broke. No, the pump can't break because the pump is the Holy Spirit and he's perfect. So if your soul is out of order, if you, if you have a, a soul thirst tonight, it's not, be, it's not a pump problem. And it's not a water problem. Remember what Jesus told the woman at the well in John 4? He said, whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. The water I give them will become, will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. In other words, my well is so deep, Jesus says, that you can drink of it for all of eternity and never run out. That's how deep my well is. So look, if the issue is not, the, the issue is not does the pump work? Or is there enough water in the well? The issue is, do you have the pump on? Or are you blocking the pump? Are you blocking the flow? In verse 39, Jesus says this. He spoke this of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For the Spirit was not yet given. So this whole thing we're talking about tonight was not given when Jesus said this. It was coming when the Spirit arrived. Jesus was, was saying this in, in, in his physical body. 
he had not yet died and risen from the grave and ascended to heaven in his glorified body. But after the ascension, he sent the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And, and they were all filled with the Spirit and they began gushing, gushing, gushing living water. So here it is. If you want to know how to experience the living water gushing from God's Spirit into your spirit, through your soul, through your body, so your life is changed. Here it is. The way you keep the pump on is by privately and publicly glorifying Jesus Christ. That's how you keep the pump on. Privately and publicly glorifying, not God, but Jesus Christ. You can believe in God and not have the pump on. You can call God's name, and that will not keep the pump on. God has turned everything in history over to Jesus Christ. He's glorifying his son, Jesus Christ. So look, if you put Jesus Christ to the side, even though you believe in God, the pump is not going to be energized because the Holy Spirit only lives to glorify Jesus Christ, the son. So you must glorify the son. And he, you must glorify him in your private life, and in your public life. So here's the challenge this week. I want you to put this up on the screen. Maybe I didn't make a slide for this, but just write this down somewhere. I want you to read John 15, verses 1 through 16. Every day between now and Wednesday, just 16 verses, or next Sunday, I mean, rather. Just read John 15, verses 1 through 16, because in those verses, this is what Jesus says over and over and over again. Are you ready for this? I want to hang out with you. I want you to abide with me. I don't want you just visiting me. I want you living with me. I want you abiding with me. I want you walking with me and talking with me. And when, when God sees you hanging out with Jesus, the Holy Spirit turns the pump on so the life begins to throw, flow through your spirit, which is inside your soul, changes your soul, so now your body's getting the right information about what to do in life. But it only happens if you are glorified and you will exalt God privately, first of all. See, what we do is a lot of times... Go with me on this. We visit Jesus. You know? We come to church on Sunday or maybe Wednesday for a Jesus visit. And then we go out during the week and live our own life until we're ready to come for another Jesus visit. Let's check in with Dr. Jesus. Dr. Jesus, can you take care of my marriage? Dr. Jesus, can you take care of my kids? Dr. Jesus, can you take care of my finances, my business? You know, they don't want to have an ongoing, everyday, dynamic experience with Jesus where we say, I want to walk with you, Jesus. I want to talk with you, Jesus. I want to live for you, Jesus. I want to praise you, Jesus. Come on, somebody. I want to read about you, Jesus. I want to glorify you, Jesus. I want to exalt you, Jesus. I want Jesus in the morning, Jesus at noontime, Jesus at night when I go to bed. When the Holy Spirit sees you glorifying Jesus privately, he turns the pump on and he begins to pump life and vitality and healing through your soul into your life. That's what he wants from you. So look, don't drink, don't drink a Coke when you need water. Don't drink Jack Daniels when you need water. Don't
don't take in drugs or, or alcohol or other forms of medication, just entertainment or illicit relationships, when you need the Holy Spirit flowing living water into your spirit that will flush the garbage out of the soul so now the soul is giving right information to the body so you can live the life that you want to live, the life that God wants you to live. I like how some versions state this verse. One version says the spirit will give you streams of living water. So I like that. There's, there's rivers, but rivers always break off into different streams. And, and different streams flow in different directions. Isn't it good to know that God has a stream for you tonight? Whatever your issue is, whatever your problem is, he has a stream to address your particular issue. He's that good at what he does. It's kind of like Walmart. You know, Walmart has shut down more little mom and pop shops, unfortunately. You know why? They got everything. Walmart has everything. You know, God's like Walmart. You've been running all over the place trying to fix your life. You've been spending all your money trying to fix your life. But I got a one-stop shop, and it's already been built inside of you, and you can access it anytime, and you access it by bringing glory to me, Jesus says, privately. Are you doing that? Every single day in your life, are you privately abiding in Jesus? Now, the other way to turn this pump on, and we're almost done, the team can come and join me right now. That lets you know that we're, we're serious about being almost done. Here we go. <laughs> Unless the Spirit leads. <laughs> we'll qualify right there. The other way that you can turn the pump on, not just privately glorifying God, but also by publicly glorifying Jesus. Come on, go public for Jesus. Jesus said, listen, if you deny me before men, I will deny you for my Father. If you will confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father in heaven. This is no time right now in America to be ashamed of Jesus. Especially if you've got a messed up soul. You must be willing to publicly identify with Jesus. I know sometimes it'll be unpopular in the culture, like right now it's unpopular. And we should always do it appropriately. But people should never have to guess where you stand about this person, Jesus Christ. They should know that you're a follower of Jesus. And not just on church on Sundays and Wednesdays. He is my life. You own my life. You died for me. And since you died for me, you own me, Jesus. I'm proud of you, Jesus. When Jesus is glorified publicly, the Spirit sees that. And he turns the pump on. And this living water begins to pump into your spirit, which is located in your soul. It begins to clean the soul out so that now the signals that you're getting from your soul to your body are the right signals. He changes your nature. He gives you a new wanter. You want to do what's right. You desire to do what's right. And all this takes place if you will just privately glorify him every single day. Well, Luke, I got to work. How can I glorify him privately at work? Just have an ongoing dialogue with Jesus all day long. Just keep talking to him. When you, before you go into a meeting, you say, God, I got a, Jesus, I got an important meeting to go in right now. Would you help me? Would you lead me by your spirit? Would you... Give me direction. Would you comfort me? And he will. And it will be a whole new spiritual dynamic for you. 
And here's the beautiful thing about all that I'm talking about tonight. All this is free. It's free. You don't have to pay anything for this. Revelation 21.6 says, To the thirsty I will give water without cost. Love that. Revelation 20, uh, 22.17, Let the one who is thirsty come and take the free gift of the water of life. Isn't it good to know that you can get all this for free charge? The pump is already in you. You don't have to pay some preacher to go to Israel to get holy water from the Jordan River, sell it to you so you can get your deliverance. The pump is already inside of you. You can access it by privately glorifying God and publicly glorifying God. Last thing, when the river is flowing, you're going to know it because you're going to see changes in your soul. You're going to see changes in your physical life. There's another way that you'll know the river's flowing. When Jesus spoke to the woman at the well, I love this. He said to her, if you drink of my water, if you drink of my water, you'll never be thirsty again. And she drank of it. She accepted it. She went back to her hometown. And John 4, 39 says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. One of the ways you can know the, that, the, that the living water is flowing through you is because people will want to take a drink out of your life. They'll say, I want what they have. I want what's happening inside of them. Give me that water. One of the reasons why people are so mean to other people today is because they're so messed up in their soul that they have nothing to give from their soul. One of the reasons why people are cussing each other out is because they're so messed up in their soul that they have nothing nice to say about other people. One of the reasons why people come to church and they just come to be served and not to serve is because they're so messed up in their soul and the living water is not flowing through them so they have nothing to give but if you can just get a river flowing through you if you can have a gushing out of you oh man it'd be a life changer last story growing up as a little boy we lived in Davenport Iowa and we lived in the parsonage there little house I took my daughters back there a few years ago we drove by it and she turned her head and looked at me goes daddy you were poor I said, yeah, we didn't know we were poor, though. We didn't, we didn't have a poor mentality. But we didn't have a pool. Not many people in Iowa had a pool. So periodically, the fire marshal would come out, and he would turn the hydrant on, the fire hydrant, crank it open. Our friends would go out and play in the water, run around, have a wonderful time. But I was a little confused as a boy because the fire hydrant was only about this tall. I said, Daddy, where is all that water coming from? I mean, it's only, you know, it's gushing out all day long. Where is it coming from? Dad says, son, you don't understand. That fire hydrant is connected by tubes that run underground to the Mississippi River that's only about a mile away. So this hydrant is connected to something far more powerful, far more bigger. Listen, I don't care how small you are today. I don't care how messed up your soul is. You are connected to something far bigger. And he says, greater is he that's in you than he that is in this world. You're hooked up to something far bigger. But you know, at the end of the day, the fire marshal would come back out and he would turn the tap off. 
even though it was connected to the Mississippi River and had an abundance. It could have kept going for years. But he turned it off. Too many Christians have turned the valve off. No glorifying of Jesus Christ privately. No reading God's word. No telling him how much we love him. No meditating on him. No prayer life. There's there's no meeting with God. And no glorifying him publicly. We are weekly visiting Christians and we wonder why this river of life is not gushing into our soul. But tonight I want to deputize every single one of you here as a fire marshal. Turn that baby back on. Let it gush through your life. Let it gush through your soul. Let it gush through your spirit into your physical body. So that other people will want to take a drink out of your life. They want to taste and see how good God is. Would you all stand to your feet with us for a closing prayer? You know, our our custom here on Wednesday nights, I just want to say this. I want to thank you folks who are here tonight for your faithfulness to midweek service. There are not many churches in America that have midweek anymore. You know, the Bible says in the last days we should gather together more and more and more. Is that the trend we're seeing in America? No. It's less and less and less. But I want to thank you for valuing this time and prioritizing this time. How many would say you received something from this message here tonight? You learned something new. Here's how we're going to end. I'm going to ask you to please take down the stanchions here tonight. And what we do on Wednesday nights is we ask everyone to make your way to the front for a final, it's called the house of prayer. We're going to agree and pray together as the family of God. I'm going to ask everyone of you to participate in this. This is just what we do. This is our family. This is our culture. So right now, I want you to make your way to the front. I want to say a couple more things to you, and then we're going to pray together for our nation. We're going to pray for our families, for our personal lives. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I want the team to get ready to sing something at the very end after prayer, okay? Just gather in as close as you can. Just gather in real close because we have so many people trying to get in here tonight. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I'm just going to wait till everybody comes to a standstill so I can talk to you for just a moment. wonderful. So would you look this way just before we go into prayer? I I know there are people here tonight who you feel that sensation in your soul that things are clogged up. Like that trash masher, we just keep pushing things down more and more and more instead of bringing our trash to Jesus. And that's the first step tonight as we pray. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to audibly, under your breath, whisper to God. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, He'll be faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from unrighteousness. So I'm going to ask you in just a moment to make that the very first move. I I know you want to feel the presence of God moving in your life. I know you want this living water, but sometimes water just can't get through because we keep compacting things that are contrary to what God's trying to do in us. And the way you remove that blockage is you confess it. Say, I'm sorry. Okay, that's the first thing. In just a moment, 
The second thing is this. Not only confess your sin, and he will be so faithful to, re- to re- forgive you and remove it, but also I want you to make this declaration tonight. Listen carefully. I want you to say to Jesus tonight, Jesus, I make a decision tonight to privately and publicly glorify your name every single day. I'm not talking about being obnoxious out in the public, but when opportunities arise, people should know where we stand. And not just where we stand on Jesus, but how Jesus feels about things in our culture. Okay? So the ball is in your court tonight. I've just given you the, the ingredients to how to how to feel the living water flowing through your life. Confess those things. Get rid of them tonight. Don't carry them one more day. Well, Luke, I don't know. If I confess them, I'm not sure that I'll live up to them. Leave that to God. If you will confess it and you, you'll begin to, tomorrow, privately just glorify God and exalt Him, he'll, he'll help you with all that stuff because you're getting more God in you every single day. So, Father, right now, I pray for every individual in this place who is not experiencing that abundant life, that gushing life that Jesus promised to us. I pray that right now they would take soul inventory and they would just confess that to you right now. Just go ahead and do that. Just whisper, say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for this, forgive me for that. I confess it to you right now. Just be clean in Jesus' name. Just be forgiven in Jesus' name. Let me just lead you in that prayer in case you don't know how. Heavenly Father, would you cleanse me? Would you make me whole? I want to honor you. And I want to serve you. And I want to sense your living water flowing through my life, making me a gushing Christian. So I confess my sins to you. And now, Father, I declare tonight that I'm going to glorify you privately and I'm going to glorify Jesus publicly. I'm going to be a private glorifier and a public glorifier because I want you to move in my life. I want you to pump your life into my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Now go do it tomorrow. Go do it tomorrow. Okay? Let's all pray right now for our, for our nation. Would you all join me and raise your hands? Father, we lift up the United States of America to you today. Lord, as my dad said in staff meeting today, unless you move, unless we have an outpouring and a revival, America is finished. You are the only hope, Lord, for this nation. And Father, we ask you to pour out your spirit upon our land. We pray you get a hold of President Biden's heart, Lord, and all these things that he's pushing through that that harm children and, and, and harm the identity of our children, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name that those things will be blocked somehow by your power and by your spirit. We pray for every person in Congress, every person in the Senate and the House of Representatives. Lord, we pray for our local government here. We pray for our governor. Lord, once again, we just pray that you would get a hold of her heart, God. We know that you're the one who places people in position. But Lord, we pray that if she's not going to honor you, that you would just get rid of her and get somebody else in there who will honor you, God. But Father, we pray for our state. We pray for our 
kids in our state. We pray for our, our school system. I pray for every teacher that's here tonight in a public school. Lord, they're, they're fighting a tsunami of pressure against them every single day. But I pray you would use these teachers as your light, Lord, in this darkness. Father, we pray for Dream City Church during this time, the Easter season. Father, I pray that every single person in this place would make it their prayer. Lord, send somebody into my life that I can invite and bring that they may know you, God. We pray for our Easter services at every single campus, that hundreds, Lord, thousands. We don't, we don't want to limit you. You would just pour your spirit out so people would come to know you. Father, we pray for the children of our church. Father, I can't even imagine what it would be like to be a kid in this culture today. With all the temptations and things are so open today and the messages they're getting through their phones and through the media every single day. We know, Lord, we're up against a storm. But Father, I pray that you would put your hand upon every single child here at Dream City Church, that you would keep them under your precious blood, that not one of them would be lost to the enemy. Father, I pray for every staff member of this church, that you would continue to keep them strong and, and healthy. Father, we thank you for what you're doing right now in this place. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the instruction of your word, how we can take your word tonight and actually walk out and live it, God. This is not pie in the sky. What a wonderful teacher you are, Father. And we not only hear it, but we heed it tonight. We're going to live it to the best of our ability. We love you. I pray for every man and woman gathered in this place today. I pray they leave this place tonight energized and encouraged and so eager to wake up in the morning. I pray that every one of us, before our feet hit the ground, our knees will hit the ground first. And we would say to you, Lord, I'm going to magnify and glorify you privately and publicly today. We love you. Thank you for your church. Thank you for your presence in our lives. We love you so much. Say that with me. Lord, we love you. Come on, say it with me. Lord, we just love you. And we're so honored to represent you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I love you all very much. God bless you all. See you on Sunday.